Race matters. 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 As always, before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting on the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. Uh, this has been tended to, this land, for thousands of years uh, by generations of Gadigal peoples uh, before us. It will continue to be a meeting place for sharing knowledge, stories, song, experience by generations uh, after us, just as we are uh, sharing knowledge and stories and song uh, here at FBI Radio today. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders, past, present and emerging. We're broadcasting from Redfern. Uh, This is the birthplace of black theatre in this country and a site for resistance and resilience for Indigenous folk in Sydney. Welcome to Race Matters. This is a show uh, hosted by people of colour, speaking with people of colour, about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. My name is Darren Lasagas, uh, running solo on the host front uh, today. And uh, if you knew your grandmother had only months to live uh, before she did, would you keep it a secret from her? It might not be a question that would even cross your mind, uh, but in Lulu Wang's film The Farewell, that's exactly the question that centers the life of Billy and her extended family in her homeland, China. Here's some of the trailer uh, from the movie. What's wrong, Dad? Please tell me. My nan is dying. She doesn't know, so you can't say anything. The family thinks it's better not to tell her. Why is that better? Chinese people have saying, when people get cancer, they die. Yeah, I saw the film with uh, two people you'd be familiar with. Uh, Ying Di Yin is an actor and writer as well as a publicist at the Sydney Opera House. And Justin Tam is a musician, writer and one of the co-founders of Eternal Dragons. It's a Pan-Asian artist collective. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Uh, Last year, uh, you may remember, we spoke about Crazy Rich Asians, the uh, blockbuster Hollywood rom-com that took the world by storm, featuring an almost entirely Asian cast. We're welcoming uh, Ying Diyin and Justin Tan back to talk about another film that's both highly acclaimed and hot on the lips of many when it comes to Asian representation on screen, Lulu Wang's The Farewell. And uh, The Farewell, if you haven't heard about it, is based on a specific personal experience of Wang's. When her grandmother was diagnosed with terminal cancer, uh, the family decided it was better not to tell her out of a cultural belief that fear of death is actually more dangerous uh, to sick people than their actual symptoms. And the main character, Billy, uh, the fictionalized version of Lulu Wang herself, is played by viral rapper turned actor Okafina, uh, who you know from Crazy Rich Asians. Guys, this idea of this, the Asian-American experience of biculturalism, it's a key theme of the farewell. What does it mean to be Asian when you are between two societies? That's um, a very interesting question, and I think this film really spoke to my own experience and understanding of the first-generation diaspora, not knowing whether you belong in your um, birth country or, um, I guess, your cultural country, your genetic one. Um, and I think it really made me think of the first time I went to Hong Kong as an adult. I was about 20, 21. And something happened there. Like I got there and I really felt like a missing piece of the puzzle was connected and found. And it really shocked me. It surprised me. And I was talking to Justin about it on the way here. 
there was an instant calmness. And so it was really nice to watch this film and kind of um, kind of kind of reminded me of that. But also in the film, I think you see that Billy is uncomfortable with being with her um, in, in China, with her family. She doesn't feel like she belongs there and doesn't seem like she belongs in America either. So I think Wang did a really good job of speaking to the, that first generation diaspora who are struggling between two societies. It's, uh, you think about uh, movies about Asians in Hollywood today and, you know, it has to be about living in the West or what it's like living in the West and you get a lot of, like, what you call stinky food politics, I guess. It's about <laughs> bringing noodles to school and that kind of thing. But what I found really interesting, it was just about how Aquafina's character, Billy, was in China and how, how she kind of behaved mm in her hometown there was yeah. none of this like how you fit in america it was yeah. just kind of like how you how do, how do you fit going back i mean it's not a theme that's unfamiliar with chinese cinema as well yeah. i really love that film eat drink man woman by ang lee it's about three daughters one's a one's an airline executive one's a um nurse um uh, the other i forget what she does but you know they all come back to this very traditional dad who cooks for them and it's about how you bring your experiences back home mm-hmm. and that's kind of what i felt with this movie yeah I think she also tries to say, like, you don't have to feel guilty to not feel connected to ethnicity. That needs that shame and guilt needs to be dispelled because I think we all go through that um, at any given one time, whether it's not you understand the language. You know, where I think all three of us are probably not fluent in our ethnic language, um, we have some understanding. But you know, there are other ways to show that you belong to a community mm. or that you feel that you belong to a community. That's kind of a new idea to me. I've never heard it phrased that way in that I thought that as a first-generation immigrant, guilt comes with the territory. <laughs> and being told that I don't need to be you know, feeling guilty or shame about my lack of connection with um, home country is kind of a revolutionary idea for me. Yeah. So it was weird to kind of see that uh, unfold in the film too because she finds connection with home in a completely different way than I thought she would have. Yeah. Guilt is such a big part of Chinese culture as well, <laughs> though. It's like the guilt, yeah. the guilt of ancestors, the guilt of mm. generation. I mean, you've got this, like, little statue of your of your dead grandfather sitting in your house. You know, you're going to be guilty <laughs> about a lot. Um, I it, do it tell really him my sin sometimes. You. Yeah, it really weighs down on you through generations. Yeah. Like, and there's this whole burden of having to pay it up. My, my, my friend was telling me last night when she went back to Vietnam, you know, and she's from France, um, there, there was this kind of pressure to always pay for, pay things forward or mm. be like, oh, you know, you know, it'd be really good if you donated to your relatives or to your kind of uncle and like she'd never met these people before mm. but there was this obligation to kind of um to 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 pay her debts to the people yeah. who came before her and in the film she really wants to connect with her community and feel that chineseness that she is struggling to identify with in some way i guess that's where the conflict i identified in the film in that uh the rest of her family was so willing and understood the reason why they would keep uh, the knowledge of their gra- of their grandma um, about to die from her, and mm. yet Billy was so against it and felt so much conflict for it, and yet she felt so much more connected to her family while she was in China. That um, conflict between guilt um, and burden for Billy was really striking to me. Yeah, agreed. And I think just from a place of love, like you know, she felt like she couldn't lie, um, mm. lie to someone that she loved yeah. and was so close with as well. Yeah, it was. I think there was definitely, you know, we've read a few reviews about this film, and there's there was so much to that you could continue to unpack about mm. Billy. Like Billy was a very interesting character. And I'd love to hear more oh. about what she thought. You know, the that she had such a, she was she felt really connect. She can't explain like she did and didn't feel connected to China. I think she missed that community and 
being around people like her, it was it. She seemed so lonely in New York. Mm. It was so evident mm. in every way. I think Chinese people can be pretty bad at expressing love yes. to their families as well. Yeah, like it's not a natural they lacked thing. communication. Yeah, um, which I think we yeah. And also the personal versus the collective, because yes. the argument against Billy was that all her family were telling her that she was thinking about herself. Yes. like she was thinking about her grief, but the rest of the family were thinking about the collective grief or the collective, you know, combating grief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Super interesting. Are there differences in the film between Asian American experiences and that of ours as Asian Australians, or for you guys as Chinese Australians? Oh well, yeah, all we see is Asian Americans, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're. I don't know. I guess there's an, there's a different attitude that Asian Australians carry. I'm not sure. I, I I think we're a little bit more blunt with things. I think that stereotype is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with my family, we definitely hide stuff like that as well. Mm. Um, especially to that extent. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, you don't have to reveal now. That's pretty red hot. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know that, that 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 I mean, there's there's always burdens that you bury, and I guess. I'm, I, it's kind of tiring seeing Asian American narratives. You know, it's it's yeah. it's always the the overarching thing. And it kind of swallows everything up. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I think we can take bits and pieces from it. Totally. Yeah. I think there's space to tell Asian Australian stories. Absolutely. Like, at the end of the day, we are all. You know, we might have similar cultural customs and values and um, traditions that I think would connect me with an Asian American. But there are things that. You know, I feel so privileged and grateful to live in Australia, but there are sacrifices that you make for living in Australia or the Australian culture is so different from American culture. I also think we're such a we're we're new as a country compared to America. You know, a lot of Asian Americans, the generations are well into this that seventh, eighth mm. generation. And mm. I'm first generation, so are you, Justin. And yeah. um and yeah, yourself as well, Darren. So yeah. I think that's interesting to we're in an interesting time where I think you could tell some really great stories of that first-generation community. The parents in that spoke English. I mean, probably because yes. it's a movie thing, but that re- that's not a reality for a lot of yeah. um, Asian Australians as well because the migration is newer. Yeah. Yeah, so you get kids who don't know how to talk to or don't talk to their parents at all. I also loved language. how about three-quarters of the film was spoken in Mandarin. Yeah. That was way more surprising. And Aquafina doesn't speak Chinese, so she had to really go back and learn and... Yeah. Connect herself. She's Chinese Korean, I think. She's Chinese Korean. Yeah, yeah. But if she was it, raised by her grandmother, so I think she uh, felt very connected to the storyline. Um, yeah, from personal experiences. You are listening to Race Matters on FBI Radio 94.5. We are talking uh, Lulu Wong's The Farewell, a uh, film that came out recently uh, with Justin Tam and Ying Di Yin. It brings me to a play that just wrapped up at Sydney Theatre Company, which I feel like we can draw from uh, in this conversation. The play is called White Pearl. I saw it last week. It's by Australian Thai playwright Unchuli Felicia King. And it starred a cast made up almost entirely, um, and when I say entirely, only one uh, actor was white male, of uh, Asian Australian women. And it sidelined white voices in discussions of race and culture and racism, which is, I feel like, is super rare. For context, it's set in this um, pharmaceutical company that uh, manufactures and distributes um, white... Uh, well, yeah, skin whitening products mm-hmm. and um, the conflict of the play occurs when an unapproved uh, advertisement and commercial goes, uh, gets leaked and it's clearly a very racist um, commercial. And then uh, it just reveals all these perspectives and ideas in these characters that were previously unrevealed. Uh, so, for instance, we have this uh, British-educated Indian woman 
uh, arguing with a Korean national about what it means to be Asian, why uh, people value whiteness in different countries and why people uh, understand racism in different ways. And they were just barbing at each other this entire time. It was very kind of uncomfortable to watch because they were saying things that I've heard, not in that context, but in contexts that are more specific to me, in that, you know, if you are um, some an Asian person who stays on the homeland, how do you measure, if you do, to someone who has migrated to a Western country and has supposedly gotten a Western education or a Western perspective, you know? Mm. Is there a hierarchy that gets created in those diasporas? Well, that's examined in the f- in the film. Exactly, that, yeah, yeah. When they're sitting in that round table and you've mm-hmm. got the auntie and uncle who stayed in China and didn't leave and the brothers who left, one to Japan, one to America, and they're very defensive and protective of their choices. Um, so potentially, yeah. yes, I think there might be. That, I mean, I think that play sounds incredibly interesting and we could have a whole... Totally. Yeah, talk white, about that. White, uh, white supremacy still exists within East Asian culture. Mm. I mean, I, I think I read it that that play was based in Singapore as well. Is yeah, that right? yeah, based yeah. in Singapore. I mean, so was Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. It yeah. makes a lot of sense. That hierarchy is clear there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, I mean, it doesn't always have to be colour as well. White supremacy mm. exists uh, deeper and darker than that. Um, the the movie Burning by Yi Chan Dong from last year was a good example of that. Um, it's about kind of a guy in, um, in, in kind of a rural area of Korea and and this this person, played by Stephen Yun, who comes from America. He's a Korean-American. He comes and he basically kind of it, it destroys his life. But it's about this idea of the yellow saviour, you know? It's... Yeah. Um, these Asians, East Asians who have kind of studied in the West and they come back to Asia as a way of like, let me show you how it's done or I've got a better education than mm. you or my English is better. So there is this really subtle and kind of sad idea of um, East Asians, white East Asians coming back and fixing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even the whole, you know, um, I mean, biracial couples are not new. It's, you know, it's mm. fantastic. We have, you know, we live in a multicultural place. Um, but the idea of like a biracial child is more alluring Mm. which I think is really interesting. Or you're given a bigger gravitas of who you are as a person or, um, you know, and it might be with the way you look or what you're connected to or those those backgrounds that you now have access to um, other than just being Chinese. Yeah. Guys, we're close to wrapping up, but uh, you did mention Crazy Rich Asians uh, earlier. It has been about... It's been a year since we had that chat here on Race Matters about Crazy Rich Asians, uh, a a chat in which we spoke at length about what Asian representation looks like in film and the media. Mm How has it changed since then? I think there's been some positives and negatives. I know one thing that I found... I found a quote... From the New Yorker oh, yeah. that it. I know read Justin it. really wanted it to <gasps> read be read. It. Read it. Um, it's really interesting. It is really interesting. Let me read it out loud for you. So it's a review about The Farewell by Anthony Lane. And um, he signals, this is, he speaks about um, Billy's uncle says to Billy, it's our duty to carry this emotional burden for her. You guys moved to the West a long time ago. You think one's life belongs to oneself, he says. The reviewer then goes on to comment, a larger, more daring film or a Billy more fired up by American liberalism might have asked how this laudable devotion to the common cause can be used or abused by an overarching state. And you wonder how The Farewell would play right now in Hong Kong, where young protesters would like to keep their their lives to themselves. And I think 
Justin and I are on the same page about this. It was even now, and even a film that is only speaking, its only aim is speaking to family and mortality, is expected to cover everything that's happening in the country that it's um, based in. You know, and in this case, mm. to point to the political standpoint yeah. that's happening in China and Hong Kong right now, and expecting an interpersonal drama to talk about geopolitics. It's like I, I don't know. Like I, I guess he was. Being newsworthy in yes. his review, but also it's like maybe this is not the place. Does every American movie have to talk about Trump? Like, mm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's an easy hook, you know. It's an easy thing mm. for someone to say, like, oh, it's Chinese. It must be about China. Oh, every time you meet a Chinese person, it's like, oh, how's the firewall going? Yeah, you know, it's yeah, like yeah. <laughs> immediately that's your assumption. Yeah. I was like, yeah. this is a film doing well in the West. Why aren't you using that platform to tell us more about the East? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe exactly. maybe they should spend more time doing the research. Yeah. <laughs> and again, that's why you need more stories that tell. So many, so many varying Asian, um, yeah, histories, timelines, mm. family connections. There's so many, there's so many opportunities there. That, like there are no shortage of actors who wanted to be, to be, you know, involved in those projects either. You just need Asian writers in the room. Absolutely. We are nearing the end of the show here on Race Matters, but there is a question that I will pose to both of you that we pose to each guest as they come through on the show. Uh, whichever one of you can go first, but uh, when did you realise there was power in your race? Uh, the Cronulla riots in 2005. I grew up school near there. That was the moment when I realised that race is something that can either make or break you, and mm. it can kind of make you or destroy you or cause someone else to want to destroy you. Yeah. yeah. I think I've always felt powerful and empowered by being Chinese and there is a comfort and a connectivity that, that I've always had to my community through that. Um, but I think it was maybe in high school in year eight or nine where um, I'd be speaking to people and they'd be like, where are you from? And I'd explain where I'm from and they would be like, that's that's so cool. Like, I wish I had another background or I wish I was something else, but I'm just Australian. And it made me realise that there's a genuine curiosity and that having a diverse identity is powerful mm. and being different is powerful. Benjamin Law said a similar thing when he came through here. When I asked him the same question, he said, when you realize, and more importantly, when other people realize that you uh, have a unique perspective, that perspective becomes valuable. Mm -hmm. I really like that. Mm. What, uh, if any, are films that we should be looking forward to in the next little while? Well, I was saying to you guys, I'm a bit iffy on this, but you know what? I'm willing to be convinced. I think we should watch it. Yeah, um, this will be our next film. The next one, <laughs> maybe we should watch. Well, the next one I'm excited for is Last Christmas. Um, it's got Henry Golding, who was also the main lead for Crazy Rich Asians. But this is probably the first time in, I'm going to call it history, maybe, that I, I'm aware of in, in my time watching films where there's an Asian lead in a mainstream Roncom. Totally. Um, and I read a few reviews about it and a few interviews, and he's just trying to say that it's funny that people are still drawing that out as the key factor. Obviously, we haven't done enough to make it normal, even though most people would say that's quite normal to see biracial couples out there, but to see on screen is really still still standout. Is that so? In most of the interviews that I've heard and seen, the, the biggest part about it is that Amelia Clark is the bloody lead. <laughs> oh, wow, Game of Thrones, now she's in the Christmas rom-com and she's the Scrooge. I'm like, cool. <laughs> Look, I watched the trailer again yesterday and I'm for it. Okay. I think we should watch it. All right. That's your homework if you're listening to. Go watch Last Christmas. Uh, we'll do the same and we'll probably be back in a year or something talking about it. Uh, Justin Tam and Ying Di Yin, thank you so much for coming in for a chat on Race Matters. 
Thank you so much for having us. Race matters. 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 Race matters.